Thank you so much for tuning into yet another edition of 10,000 Pitchers presented by our good, good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. There are so many local, national, even worldwide soccer clubs who utilize Stimulus Athletic for their game gear and on and off the field apparel. You just look at the Anguilla national team. You look at local teams like Turbo Sports FC and Vlora, teams nationwide like Tulsa Athletic. They all trust Stimulus Athletic to outfit them, and you should too. That is the exact reason why you should, because so many other great clubs do. Go to StimulusAthletic.com, and you just click that Get Started button, and you kind of fill out a form. If you have a design already, you just kind of want Stimulus Athletic to do it, by all means, go for it. If you don't have a design, they have a pretty great design team. The, if you look at the 10K kit, what we dropped last summer, that was done by Stimulus's design team, and everybody I know loves the 10K kit. So um, go to StimulusAthletic.com, click that Get Started button, and let Stimulus Athletic outfit your club with quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices. That consultation is free. It's free to just talk to them. So make sure you do that. Stimulusathletic.com. Click that Get Started button. And don't forget to let them know that Jeremy from 10,000 Pitches sent you. Here we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches presented by our good friends over at Stimulant Athletic. We are at episode 48 of the cast. Yes, not cast, not pod, cast. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, whether this is episode one or 48. We appreciate you. Um, if you don't subscribe, please do that. If you haven't left us a rating and review, we ask that you do that as well. You can also follow us on all social. We are at 10K Pitches, 10K Pitches. Last week's episode uh, was a really good one. Um, if you haven't listened to any of our recent episodes, please do so. Last week, we talked to uh, Turbo Sports owner Cephas Dean about the UPSL season. Just kicked off theirs on Wednesday night, actually. And then uh, we also spoke with Spam FC Scholarship Foundation board members Van Hong and Amy Morris about just the great work they're doing uh, providing scholarship opportunities for uh, local kids. So two great interviews there. Definitely go check those out. Um, this is the last week that we're doing dual interviews. I promise. Uh, two great interviews on the way. Uh, first up, Minneapolis City's Aaron Olson. And then we'll also be talking to uh, Madison 365 forward Madison reporter Rob Chappell. And actually in that interview with Rob, big announcement, uh, something coming up with 10K. So um, definitely tune into that. But speaking of big announcements, let me bring in Ethan Brandt. Ethan, what's up, buddy? Hello. What's what's going on? Not too much, man. Uh, yeah, so we plugged on socials that we have two big announcements. We already briefly talked about one, and that'll be coming up with Rob a little bit later on. Uh, but the first big announcements, let me go ahead and let you uh, let you sort of take the reins here and talk about this. That's right. We got a new logo. Um, yeah, that's the big one, right? Of Just course. Kidding. Yeah, it's um, not that that piece of information is definitely not a week old. So you're good. No, just kidding, but I didn't get to talk <laughs> about it because my my audio had a error. Um, I used air I quotes. Promise there. you, it did. I think people would have rather heard you talk about the new logo than me. So I promise you, I I didn't purposefully leave you off. I thought after my new toothbrush rant for like I think that was seven to eight minutes that you you pulled the plug and you're like oh just tell me you got an error poor guy i think i um, think it was more more zoom just recognizing that you know maybe this maybe this isn't the content so we're just gonna this isn't the content yeah. your, you're not going to convert your file but anyways um so yeah i i did get a new toothbrush and we got Congrats. a new logo um but, yeah, both of those are not the big announcement that we have for you 
But you're right. They're not the big announcement. But it seems like people are liking the logo. So that's good. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, Thank you to everybody who uh, gave us a, a shout out and uh, a good response on the logo. Uh, I personally like it myself. Both logos, actually. The primary and secondary logo are both pretty awesome. That's right. The secondary is not on Twitter yet either. Uh, it's only on IG. So you should go follow us over there at 10K Pitches. 10K pitches. Um, but no, the, the, the big announcement for this week is we are launching the 10K store that's right we are the first podcast ever to have a merchandise store yeah it's definitely a unique thing yeah sure. it's... We're definitely uh the uh the flag bearers we're definitely the the uh trendsetters for podcast merchandise stores that's right 100%. nobody nobody no one has done it so um we're excited to be the first but um but yeah, no, that is uh, when you're listening to this, that's live. Um, and yeah, I think we got a lot of great stuff over there. Um, a lot of stuff featuring the new logo. So if you like that, a lot of stuff featuring the secondary logo, then a lot of other fun designs uh, related to lo- the loons forward Madison and just, uh, you know, 10K in general. Um, and yeah, so go ahead, check that out. I'm sure it'll be linked on in on Twitter and IG and all over the place. Um, yes, sir. We're going to get a domain for it too. Um, just so you know, so it's easier for us to talk about, uh, but uh, we don't have that yet. So just check us out on socials at 10 K pitches to actually see the link um, Twitter specifically. Uh, so you can check out what we have going on there. All right. So let's actually get into some Minnesota soccer news that happened over the weekend. It was a big weekend for players with Minnesota and Wisconsin ties. Bloomington's Jackson Ewell had two goals in San Jose's win over DC United. They dominated him actually 4-1. And Jackson's first goal was amazing. It was a one-touch volley goal from outside of the box. Uh, Unbelievable. Ethan, did you get a chance to see it? Yeah, no, I'll look on Twitter right now. I'll look on Twitter right now. Sounds good. Let me know when you have it pulled up. Okay, is this it? Did you caption it, Jackson, stop it? Yes. Okay, here we go. I'm watching. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. <laughs> right? Oh, I told oh my. You. Oh, the goalie's face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that was like the best part. There's no stop that. that. He had, he yeah, had no chance. We got to tweet the goalie's face. I'm going to do that. Yeah, that was nuts. That was. Yeah. That was quite the banger from Jackson Yule. So Yeah, that was disgusting. If you haven't checked it out, uh, definitely do so. I'm sure you can just type, you can just video search Jackson Yule on Twitter and you will see like probably 10 accounts tweeting the video because it was definitely goal goal of the weekend, potentially goal of the year so far in MLS. Just awesome. Um, And he had two on the day. So big day for Jackson Yule. Um, 17 year old Caden Clark from Medina also scored uh, a similar one touch volley goal to Jackson's, but his was more inside the box, a lot closer to goal, still an excellent goal, not nearly as, uh, impressive as Jackson's, but in any case, uh, that was, uh, in the early going of a two, one, or excuse me, two nil New York Red Bulls win over Chicago. And then Minneapolis city alum, Brandon by found the back of the net for new England in their two to one victory over Atlanta. Um, shout out to Bridget McDowell from the Minnesota football show on Twitter. She called it the Minnesota hat trick with Yule Clark and by all scoring. So, uh, I, I like that a lot. Um, and then uh, over on the Wisconsin side of things on Tuesday, Muskego native Andrea Novakovic, uh, scored on a PK for Italian Serie B side frozen known in their, uh, one nil victory. So, uh, a lot of local talents doing big things this week, 
uh, in the pros, both domestically and internationally. I just I just tweeted it, by the way, that picture. A picture of so, the goalie's face. <laughs> yeah. So, um, nice. B- nice. Uh, I, I And I captioned it. I was like, Thursdays. Am I right, guys? Am I right? Like, we're all just <laughs> Thursdays. Uh, oh, you, man. Should, uh, you should reply with the with the goal video and just be like, context. So that way, I don't think we need it. We don't need the context. We're not here for context. All right. Fair um, like, like, what would you call the Minnesota hat trick before, like, if it wasn't soccer related? Like, like, what's the Minnesota hat trick? Like, in life, what's the. Uh, what's the- it would be drinking McGolden Lights while eating tater tot hot dish during a session of ice fishing. Is that the that min- would okay. be a Minnesota hat trick? I like that. I'd say, in well, at least for me, this might be different for everyone. But like the Wisconsin hat trick is getting gas at Quick Trip, followed by going to Culver's, and then following that up with going to Cops. So just like hitting three different places, basically. <laughs> that well, or maybe maybe you get. The 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 donuts from Quick Trip. I don't know. I'm a big donut Quick Trip guy, but other people love different things from Quick Trip. Then getting a burger from, uh, you know what? There's probably a beer thing like Lining Kugel or, or Spotted mm-hmm. Cow I'm missing. So I don't know. Maybe I don't know the Wisconsin hat trick. I don't know. Maybe that's it, though. Maybe. And maybe like you said, it's out- different for everybody. Everybody has their own Wisconsin hat trick. Every Wisconsin hat trick is unique, probably similar to like every Minnesota hat trick is unique. It's true. So I guess anyway. I listed my hat trick. I don't know. I don't Congrats. know. Anyways. I listed like the, like the stereotypical hat trick because I'm not from Minnesota, so I don't really have a Minnesota hat trick quite yet. So. You've been there long enough. You know. Eh, you know. I've been here like four years, but I don't know. I just don't have one yet. Maybe okay, maybe, maybe one day, maybe when I actually like experience my own Minnesota hat trick, I will like tweet about it and be like, yeah, okay, good, good, good. It officially happened. Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't want to project like the Minnesota and Wisconsin hat tricks onto people, you know? It's a good call. It's a good call. I don't want to let, project. Let, let them experience it on their own time. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's do a quick scoreboard. Um, UPSL North opening week, Vlora falls to Dakota Young Stars. Actually, a big upset. Uh, defending champs, Vlora follow, falling to the Young Stars 1 0. Um, FC Minneapolis and Brooklyn Knights drew 1 1. Inner Minneapolis uh, in their first ever UPSL match. I was actually there to call that one on their live stream. Uh, very exciting match as they knock off Rochester FC 2-1. And then Granite City actually Wednesday night with an impressive opener, defeating Turbo Sports 4-0 at home. Um, friendly action, Minneapolis City defeated the Karen, F- Karen FA excuse me, 5-1. Uh, good friend of the podcast, Tori Burnett, actually served as the head coach for uh for that match for minneapolis city so good for her one and oh as a uh, npsl head coach is tori burnett so congrats tori um and then bato fc top turbo two five three and then wrapping up friendly action hayward wolfpack actually had a double header on saturday uh topping two dakota amateur soccer league clubs uh port side they beat them four to three and they also knocked off green machine three nil um the duluth amateur soccer league i believe kicking off pretty soon i don't have any specific info on when their season starts but um yeah that's what happened this weekend in lower league soccer ethan thoughts comments questions concerns yeah so i just pulled up uh your ranking or it was our ranking but i did cool names so mine's less applicable 
Um, and just as a reminder for the UPSL Midwest Conference West Division, um, also known as the North, um, you had Valora coming in at one and MC2, Rochester, Turbo, Dakota Young Stars, FC Minneapolis, Granite City, Inter MPLS, Brooklyn, and Maple Brook 58ers. So, yeah, you, uh, according to that uh, power ranking, you got a couple things wrong. Um, I did. I did get a couple things wrong. So, that's I mean, fun. It, it was, you know, I'm I'm I've been known to be wrong a few times in my day. So I I think I think you took the safe bet, like as far as like who's gonna finish where. So I, it's fun that we got some upsets early and yeah. This is fun. Yeah. Shout out to Inter Minneapolis winning their first ever match um at, at I was calling it. stadium. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um so, the press box was hot because there's no AC in the press box, but <sighs> it cool it cooled down as the night went on, so it wasn't too bad. But uh, yeah, that, that was fun. Great operation they have going there. Huge crowd for their opener too. Uh, they had like more than 100 people there. So that was awesome. Um, so hopefully more people file into all the great lower league action uh, in the UPSL, NPSL, MASL as, uh, as the summer rolls on. It was definitely a good start from my vantage point though with, at the intermatch. Did you get like a, like a media pass, like a lanyard with a laminated thing that says like Jeremy Rushing? I didn't. No, I should. I that's should request bummer. one of those. I should. I but, should request yeah. one of those. That's that's half the fun of being media. I think is like getting the pass. That, I should tell them I mean, I'm not coming back unless I get a lanyard. Yeah. Then you like flash it at the gate and you walk past everyone and the and everyone's like, I don't oh. even say anything. No. No. Yeah, you, no you, words you, spoken. Just flash the flash the pass. Fl- and walk on by. You just flash it. Yeah. That that's got to be the best part about the uh, being media. Absolutely. I, that was I, wouldn't, I loved in college when I would go to like when when North Central would make like the the D3 NCAA tournament like we would have to in order to go and call games we'd have to like get like a media like an official NCAA media pass and it was so cool walking around with that thing around my neck oh, I, that, felt like, I felt like such a like an important person dude you seem like the type that like you wore it like like all day like you like like you weren't calm the game till 7 p.m. But like when you woke up and went to class in the dining center or whatever you were doing, you wore it all day. It's all day long. Yep. And like and like you and like you were trying to act like kind of casual, like, oh whatever. And like someone would ask, like, what is that? And you're like, Oh, you mean you mean my NCA media pass? They're like, why are you wearing it? You're like, Oh, I'm super busy today, so I'm going straight from here to the game. When in reality you you were definitely it's like going back thirty in the morning. Yeah, like you, you definitely have time, or you could have just kept it in your backpack, if anything. But you, you yeah. had to wear it. I don't know. Oh man, good stuff. You seem like that type. Anyways, oh, thanks. I, I don't, I don't think that's a compliment. But I don't um, blame you. I would, I would do the same thing. I think a lot of us would. But like, there's some people that are humble enough that wouldn't. But like the us's of the world, we're definitely, we're definitely yeah, like, you know, oh yeah, yeah, media, we're so, media. Sorry, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta post your dubs when you, when you got them. You know. Right, so, not not everyone's getting those media passes. True, absolutely. Like I'm right, sure. Well, anyways, yeah, we got. It. Anyways, we talked about what happened in the world of local lower league soccer. On the other side of these two interviews, we'll talk about what's happening coming up this uh, this weekend and next week. But first, let's get to these interviews. Um, first up, it is Aaron Olson, defender of Minneapolis City, and then on the other side of that, big announcement with Rob Chapel, forward Madison reporter from Madison365.org. Hope you enjoy. But first, let me tell you about our newest sponsor, Surfshark VPN. Protecting your online data and information, especially in a COVID or post-COVID era, is more important now than it has ever been. Hackers, fishers, email spammers, they are absolutely licking their chops right now because things like remote work and overall more time spent online means more victims. Don't let that be you. 
Surfshark VPN protects your online data so you can browse and work with the peace of mind knowing that you're doing so safely and securely. Surfshark has a super fast connection so your online experience will be uninterrupted. And if you look at any tech magazine or online resource, Surfshark consistently in the top two or top three and their price blows their competitors absolutely out of the water. Right now, you can get two years of full Surfshark VPN service on unlimited devices for just $2.49 per month. That's $2.49 per month. You will not find a better deal than this. Just visit surfshark.deals slash 10K. That's surfshark, S-U-R-F-S-H-A-R-K dot deals, D-E-A-L-S slash the number 10K, 10K. And you'll get that Surfshark VPN for just $2.49 per month. Thank you so much to Surfshark for sponsoring 10,000 Pitches. And as always, I implore you, I ask you, please support the great companies and businesses that support 10K. All right, now on to this week's interview. Now joining the show, somebody taking the field for Minneapolis City this season in the NPSL. It's defender Aaron Olson. Aaron, how you doing, man? I'm great. I'm great. I'm very happy to be on this pat on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, man. And it's great to have you. Uh, definitely looking forward to this conversation here. Um, you know, obviously big, big opener this weekend um, in Sioux Falls. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but first, I kind of want to just get a sense of, of your personal soccer background. Um, obviously, you grew up in St. Paul, played at Trinity College in Texas before joining the Crows in 2016. But fill in the gaps for me. What was your youth soccer experience like, kind of like your introduction to soccer, kind of all the way up to college there? Yeah, sure thing. Well, you know, kind of kind of came from humble beginnings. Um, both my parents were not athletes in in their youths and uh, and in their adult lives. So, um, you know, when they had me as a kid, they almost thought I was switched in the hospital, switched at birth with someone <laughs> else. Uh, but, you know, I think I think the best way to describe my my start with soccer is that I was put out there on the field in a rec league around four years old. Um, my parents were just trying to find ways to allow me to get my, my energy out. Mm -hmm. And uh, first practice, I was in a pair of jean shorts with um, my shin guards strapped on <laughs> on the outside of my socks um, and awesome. no, no real cleats. So, you know, I was... <laughs> I clearly my parents didn't have an idea of what was going on. I didn't either. But once the ball got rolling, um, I was hooked. I was completely hooked. Uh, you could not tear me away from the sport or from that ball from that moment forward. So, um, you know, that started in the Mendota Heights uh, rec leagues. Um, and then and then growing up, just kind of went through the youth clubs, um, the MYSA. I, honestly, I don't even know if the MYSA is around anymore. That was kind of the precursor to, I think, what's now like the TCSL or mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little older than my than my companions on the team. So um, there's, a, know, there's I mean, there's a ton of youth club options in and around the Twin Cities now. So it's tough to it's tough to pinpoint, you know, one versus the other for sure. Yeah. For, forgive me if I'm dating myself there. But see, so yeah, I came <laughs> up with um, with you know, just hopping around the youth clubs in the MYSA, trying to find the best team I could play on uh, every single summer. Um, you know, if you wanted a quick rundown, I think I started with the St. Paul Blackhawks. Um, mm -hmm. I then hopped over to the Sibley Sting, and then I hopped over to Bloomington, and then I went to Keelix, and then I went to Woodbury, and then I went to Apple Valley. So 
really like every couple of years, I was just trying to find a better team that I could play on um, and, and getting, you know, the most exposure that I could possibly get. Uh, and, and in high school, um, I went to St. Paul Academy, went to St. Paul Academy kindergarten through 12th grade um, and played on the varsity team there, ninth grade through 12th grade, um, captain the squad my last year. And, uh, and then I ended up, you know, feeling like soccer was something that I wanted to pursue um, more so than, than just something for recreation. I wanted to be competitive with it. I wanted to see how far I could take it um, and where it would get me. And so um, that was definitely a huge part of my, my college search um, was to find a, uh, you know, an academic institution that I could, I could vibe with and, and get what I wanted out of that component of it, but also be able to play on, on a very competitive, strong team and have a good experience in that sense. And, um, and so that, that led me to, uh, you know, I wasn't really highly recruited out of high school, um, pretty low profile. Fortunately, I had some, some coaches in my youth and throughout high school that were um, pretty well connected on the national scene, uh, but that, you know, that could only take me so far when, when I didn't have the level of exposure that some others did. Uh, but um, kind of came down to making a decision between Fairleigh Dickinson University, which is a division one school in New Jersey and Trinity University, which is a division three school in San Antonio, Texas, and just kind of the profile of, um, of the teams at both schools. And, and then also maybe the fact that when I visited Fairleigh Dickinson, it was a rainy day. And when I visited Trinity, it was a sunny day, uh, took me, you know, didn't take me too long to decide that I wanted to go down to Trinity, um, for college, uh, and so, you know, played, played in, at, at Trinity for four years, all four years, um, ended up being the captain of, of that team as well in my senior year. Um, actually, uh, I might have, to, might have to walk that back a little bit. I played, um, I played for five years at Trinity because I, I went uh, an extra year to get my master's of science and accounting. So uh, I redshirted my freshman year because I broke my ankle. Um, three weeks into the season, I was one of two freshmen that were slated to start the home opener. And I ended up breaking my ankle a couple days before that game, um, playing intramural basketball. So oh, wow. you can uh, <laughs> imagine that the coach was not happy. And uh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> oh, my yeah. <laughs> well, well, neither was I. not a good first impression. I mean, I, I don't know if that was like a, really a first impression, but definitely, you know, being your freshman year and all, not definitely not a good way to start. No, no, it was not. We'll say that um, it took the entire, it took the entire, uh, the entire length of my career at Trinity to regain his trust. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it didn't take that long to regain the trust of my teammates. Um, I was, you know, uh, again, um, I was placed as captain the the final year I played there. Um, so that was, that was fun. That was a great experience. We were really competitive in division three, um, almost throughout the entire year, uh, in the top five in the country in all the polls. Um, and, you know, kind of, we were kind of the, the Southern, um, we, we were the, the Southern Messiah, you could say, I, I don't know how familiar you okay. are with Division Three, but Messiah is just kind of the, they are what every, what every program wants to emulate um, in terms yeah. of championship caliber and 
They're like the measuring yep. stick basically. Exactly. And so, you know, throughout, throughout the regular season, um, we were typically, we were typically uh, right there with them, um, if not ahead of them. Uh, and then unfortunately when it came down to playoffs, we, we had, we had a knack for, for going out a little earlier than we'd like uh, never, mm. never made it to the final four. Um, but got to the elite eight, I think three out of the four years that I was actually playing with the team. So, oh, wow. um, so again, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the line. <laughs> yep. yep. We, we had that on our shirts at the end of the year. Uh, oh my no, goodness. No, we didn't. <laughs> I, I, I kind of thought you were serious there for a second. <laughs> No, we, we easily could have though. Um, but it was a good experience yeah. overall. Uh, you know, made a lot of close friends at Trinity, um, still keep in touch with a few of them. And, um, I know that, uh, it was just, it was great to be able to maintain that part of my identity as well as get a good education. And, um, you know, uh, I guess I wanted to go pro, out of college, um, that, that passion and that drive was still there. Uh, but definitely good to have the fallback option, um, that I, I eventually ended up falling back on. Um, but, but we can talk about that a little bit later, I guess, in terms of, um, soccer coming out of college, like I mentioned, I, I wanted to go pro. I, I thought that, um, you know, the opportunity was there. I thought that I had the tools, um, I just, again, was kind of, I was at this, I was in, in the same position coming out of college that I was coming out of high school. You know, I was, it was, I was low profile. Um, the team that I played for was a good team, but we hadn't necessarily accomplished anything of serious note um, with mm -hmm. championship, championship seasons, uh, things like that. So, you know, the, the level of exposure was, was just really low. Um, so I came back to Minnesota, um, after I graduated, I, I had a job offer waiting for me in, in Houston, um, with PricewaterhouseCoopers public accounting firm. Uh, but I came back to Minnesota because, uh, my father had passed away, uh, during my last year of school and I, I don't have any siblings. So I felt like I should be close to family to, uh, not only support them, but get support for myself. And, uh, and so when I came home, I decided that I would try, try out for the, uh, the loons who I think at that point, I think they may have just turned, just changed to the loons from the stars. Okay. Um, potentially they were still the stars at that point, but they were definitely in the NASL. They weren't in the MLS. They were having, you know, they were holding annual or semi-annual open combines. And I just signed up for that, um, hopped in there with one of my buddies, uh, one of my high school buddies from back, back in the day. And, and we both tried out and unfortunately he got, um, injured halfway through. Um, mm. so he couldn't finish it out. I, on the other hand, I probably had the best tryout of my life. Um, yeah. Usually a modest person. And in this case, I mean, I'll, I'll be, you know, as I guess I'll, I'll just state the facts. Like it was the best yeah. tryout of my life. Um, I was the leading scorer. I had the most assists uh, out of any player in the trial. Um, 
I think, you know, it just kind of came down to how serious did the coaching staff really take the combine to be, um, yeah. which is a little unfortunate. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's understandable because the feedback that I got at the end was, um, you know, I, I definitely exhibited myself to be at a, a higher level than the majority of the players at the trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that the average level of the trial was just far below and that yeah, I still took it really hard. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely hurt, really hurt. Uh, yeah. because I was a homegrown kid. I was like, what is, you know, what's the risk of just giving me an extended trial? You know, I mean, if anything, mm-hmm. you're only going to put more, more butts in the seats if you have more local people on your squad. So, um, you know, I kind of went back and forth just a little bit with conversation with them, but nothing really came of it. And, and so, um, you know, I guess part of what I've, I've kind of ignored this side of the story, but I'd, I'd also, I've also been playing in the MASL for shoot at this point about a decade. Yeah. Um, that was kind of your summer, summer competition and you would come home from school. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Once club was over, had to fill that void in the summer. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, started playing with the internationals. Uh, and that was, <clears throat> that was a really fun team to play for in the beginning. Um, definitely, you know, the name is the name reflected the, the composure of the team, the, how the team was comprised. It was just a bunch of of international players um, mm-hmm. that had somehow been wrangled and organized by uh, by Franklin Tawa, uh, kind of a a legendary coach in his own right, a legendary player in his own right back in his day, um, and it was really fun just to kind of be a, a youngster, a young gun um, with with not a lot of uh, not a lot of coaching in in that league right it you know mm-hmm. we were probably one of the only teams that did have a quote unquote manager in franklin yeah. um and and it was just a really fun time um and and team to play for and, and unfortunately um unfortunately there there were some things behind the scenes that led to uh the the that team getting kind of dissolved and and uh a little drama there, but, but really, um, all, all is well in the end because it led us to these guys who had this club called Stegman's Stegman's old boys. Um, and at, at the point at which the internationals team had was kind of dissolving was the, com- the composure of the team was changing from, um, sort of this, this group of, international guys they had aged out and so we were bringing in more and more of of our friends and college players and ex-college players so uh you know it was it was a younger group we we realized that we needed some structure and and um we needed the leadership of people who uh, knew how to run the clubs and run the teams and get us in the right financial situation to um, to be able to continue playing together. And so, uh, you know, fortunately we were able to connect with John Bisworm and Dan Hudeman 
um, Stegman's old boys. They took us in. They were looking for a D1 team to kind of take over and mm-hmm. um, add to their add to their their roster sheet. And there we were. Um, and did you uh, then, did you not to cut you off, Aaron? Did you play with John and Dan with Stegman's? Was that the time that they were playing, or had they been done at that time? So I think <laughs> I did end up playing with them infrequently, but not with the, not with the division one team. They were playing on the division three team, Stegman's old boys. Okay. Uh, and, and trying to work their way up the ladder in, in the MASL. Okay. Uh, and, and I think we, pro- we probably connected in the twilight of both of their careers. Okay. Um, they, I, John still steps out onto the field from time to time. Same with Dan. They still step out on the field time to time at city practices. They'll, they like to get a, a little run in. They like to yeah. um, show their chops to, uh, you know, show us and themselves that they, they can still keep up. At least yeah, that's the thing. Minutes. It's more of like but, a, a self prove it type thing, as opposed to a uh, let's, let's prove it to, to all of you guys. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um. And no, just, just really great guys. Um, I mean, what they were able to do for the international team, which then became, which then became Stegman's 77s, um, which is kind of a combination of Stegman's old boys and the internationals, which were founded or established in 1977. So that's how the name got created for that team in, in division one of MASL. Um, got it. Yeah. And so let's, let's talk see. about that. Uh, let's talk about that ascension to Minneapolis city. So you've been with city since the beginning in 2016, you had talked about talking with Dan and John about kind of, uh, you know, joining, joining this, this, this new club that they were sort of, uh, launching. Um, what, what were your initial impressions of city and had you kind of known enough from your time at Stegman's to know that this is going to be something, you know, maybe a little bit different, unique from your normal lower league type soccer club? Oh, for sure. I mean, anything that these guys do is different and unique. You know, City, I just wish, I wish that they had done this five years before they had, before it happened. Uh, mm-hmm. And and obviously, I, you know, that may not have been possible um, with where they were in their playing careers and their professional careers and their, uh, their lives. But um, I think that the way that it's grown and what it's developed into is just something so special and, and so valuable as a stepping stone for any player who is in college or at this point in high school now, because uh, we got the futures going, having that top level professional outlet, like how can we get, how can we get talent that's being overlooked um, into the right light? How can we shine the right light on that? And how can we give those, those players the exposure that they need to make it to the next level if that's what they want out of their careers? And and so that's why I say I wish that it was around five years ago or yeah. five years before it actually was around because um, I could have definitely used it. I know that. Um, 
But but that first year, coming back to your original question, that first year was just crazy. I mean, it was we knew it wasn't going to be very well organized. Well, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't want to say anything I'm going to regret, but uh, we, we knew that it was going to be ramshackle and makeshift. And that's exactly what it was. Uh, I think but, I've heard John literally use the term unorganized to describe the first year of Minneapolis city on his own podcast. So I, th- I think you're good there. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to make the waters choppy or <laughs> undermine the powers that be. Uh, but, but yeah, the, the first year, um, a bunch of guys that didn't know each other prior to, prior to formulating the team. I mean, the core of the team was Stegman's. The mm-hmm. core of the team was Stegman 77. So, so there was familiarity there, but um, bringing in a bunch of other guys that, uh, you know, it, it basically was uh, a, a select MASL team. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so that was fun. That was definitely fun to, to play with some of the better players from other teams that we normally played against um, and just kind of try to, prove that we could hang with some of the other better, some of the other semi-professional and, and um, professionally amateur teams uh, within the region. Um, But yeah, I mean, just, just so many good memories uh, with, with that first team. Uh, And then, and then also just good memories created over the the following iterations of the the team the second year third year fourth year and now to be in the fifth year is crazy it's crazy how the club yeah. has grown it's crazy how it's developed into um a way more organized and professional atmosphere and just the amount of sort of infrastructure that's been able to be accumulated around it um and and how Dan and John and, um, you know, the, the kind of new entries into the leadership group, like Adam Pribble and Matt Van Benchoten and um, Sarah Schreier probably doesn't get mentioned nearly enough, but mm-hmm. um, oh my God, the amount of work that she's done and, and just the impact that, that she's had and, and that they've all had on, on creating success with this concept is amazing and to be a part of it i am i'm honored i feel very privileged uh aaron i appreciate the time got a couple more questions for you before i let you go um you do you still play with with stegmans um you know during your time uh during your five years now with minneapolis city which is crazy five years um have you been playing with stegmans periodically during that time as well i have yeah there hasn't been a summer that i haven't played with stegmans what's that culture culture been like Like, has Stegman's really been able to to kind of keep um that that culture that they originally had that you know really manifested Minneapolis City have they been able to keep that and and how how's maybe Stegman's changed a little bit since the inception Stegman's itself changed a little bit maybe since the inception of Minneapolis City yeah for sure so you know as I mentioned I think when I first when when our international team got absorbed by Stegman's I think the uh, the Stegman's originals were kind of in the twilight of their playing careers 
um, competitively speaking. And, and so it, it was cool for us because we got to experience um, the true Stegmans, right? It's more about the experience and having fun with, with guys that you connected with and, and then crushing beers after the games. Mm. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think, I think there has been a little bit of an evolution uh, in terms of how, how the, the kind of recreational aspect of it, the MASL, the MRSL teams have, are, are managed at this point. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the makeup of those teams, um, we're always looking for younger guys. We're always looking for injections of youth because, um, as soon as, as soon as you get, a a 40 hour a week job, it's kind of like, well, how much time can you commit to yeah. this? Um, and yeah. And so it's, it's incredibly demanding. Um, I just kind of gave this explanation to one of our newer city team members, um, who is also looking at playing on Stegman 77. And his question to me was, so Stegman 77 plays twice a week, every week. Like, how do we handle that and city? And basically I, I said, well, it kind of comes down to how much you love the sport, man. Um, yeah. You know, the, do you feel it in your bones? Do you want to play every day? Do you want, you know, are you willing to sacrifice the time uh, from your personal life and your, your personal schedule to um, prioritize this and, and if not, that's okay because, you know, hopefully we have enough people rostered to where we can sort that out. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm obsessed with the sport. I love the sport. I love the clubs. Um, I love the Stegman's club. I love Minneapolis city and, and everyone who's a part of either of those um, either of those products. And, and it's just been an amazing experience. Um, I'm just happy that I've been able to find that outlet um, because I'd go crazy. I'd go crazy if I couldn't play. And I think everybody who puts on a Minneapolis city uniform kind of has that passion and that commitment that you were, that you were talking about in that conversation. Right. So I think that's been one of the, one of the things that the impressions that I've gotten most from Minneapolis city is that commitment and that passion that everybody has for the game to kind of do it, do it often and do it at their absolute best at this level. So um, speaking of, of the squad, and the NPSL, you guys are going for the three-peat this year. Um, yeah. how, are you feeling, how are you feeling about both City and the competition in the NPSL North this season? Well, you know, Jeremy, it's, it's actually it's kind of a mystery. It's a little mystifying yeah. thinking about what's coming up this season um, just because of all the uncertainty that was driven by COVID and, and last mm-hmm. year, this season being canceled and, um, you know, what other teams might be putting together. But what I can say is that I am extremely confident in our team. I think that we probably have some of the best continuity throughout last year. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I say that, what I I guess what I'm trying to describe is, you know, the season was canceled, but that didn't mean that we stopped training. We, we did hold off of training when all of the, um, all of this shelter in place, uh, all, all of that was going on, but, uh, you know, as soon as we could get back out on the field, 
our, our management made sure that we were out on the field, getting that time in, um, connecting with each other again, uh, and, and really growing as a group. Um, any, any, you know, we were bringing in some new players, some new talent, and, and the style of ball that, that our coaches are trying to get us to play. Um, I know that every single person on our squad is 100% bought in. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think, when you have that 100% buy-in, that's really when the magic can happen. Definitely. All right. Well, best of luck this season, Aaron. It's Aaron Olson, defender for Minneapolis City. Uh, catch him on the field for the MPSL squad this season. Kicking off Saturday in Sioux Falls against the Sioux Falls Thunder. Aaron, thank you so much, man. I appreciate the time. Again, best of luck. Thank you, Jeremy. Soccer is a gift. Now joining the show, it's Madison365.org forward Madison beat reporter, Rob Chapel. Rob, how are you doing today? Thanks so much for taking some time. I'm all right. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so we'll get into everything happening uh, full Mingo here in, in a few minutes. Obviously, yeah. the upcoming season, um, preseason's off and running. They uh, kick off this Sunday or this Saturday, actually, excuse me. Yep. So we'll get into all of that. But first, I want to uh, get to know you a little bit better. So sure. uh, if you could just kind of go over your personal soccer and sports writing background. Uh, yeah, sure. I, uh, I Soccer starts for me when I'm like 10 years old and like, you know, the very first club team in my hometown in Mount Horeb, just a bunch of guys that we never had jerseys really or anything, you know, it's yeah. just sort of, you know, mid 1980s, uh, you know, soccer is kind of growing in, in Wisconsin. And I just kind of got done that as a kid and just fell in love with it. Um, I was on the first ever Mount Horeb, Wisconsin high school fo- uh, soccer team when I was a senior. Wow. We were terrible. I was terrible. <laughs> I still am terrible at soccer, but <laughs> I enjoy it a tremendous amount. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and I've just become a fan basically. And I never had my own club to support really you know uh I, as mls became a real thing i sort of gravitated to chicago fire just because that's sort of the closest to here yeah um in, in terms of uh covering sports um i've just always been a local community journalist i got my start at my own hometown weekly newspaper uh and part of that gig is you know when you're doing a local weekly newspaper you're going to the city council meeting at seven and then getting over to the high school basketball game at eight, you know, you just kind of sports, local sports becomes a thing you just have to do. Um, In terms of uh, uh, how I got this uh, assignment to cover soccer here, I'm one of the founders of Madison 365 and I'm currently executive editor. So I kind of like run the site. Uh, And part of the prerogative of being the boss is I got to uh, assign myself the soccer beat. Because- Oh, very cool. (laughs) One of the perks. (laughs) Exactly, because, you know, having been a soccer nerd for almost my whole life, like mm. there's a new soccer club in Madison and somebody's got to cover it, it uh, might as well be me, so. Definitely. So you just mentioned you were part of kind of the, the creation of Madison 365. Mm-hmm. So give us a little bit of background on that. What is Madison 365? What makes it different than other sort of, uh, uh, you know, media entities in, in the Madison area? What makes you guys unique and kind of how did this whole thing get started? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we cover communities of color. That's basically our niche, right? Um, and, you know, going back a few years now, we, we, we launched in 2015. So we're just over about five and a half years old now. Um, it was just a, a real, um, you know, a lot of media in Madison. You know, there's the Madison Magazine, Bravo Magazine, the Capital Times, Wisconsin Journal. But not much of the media here was either made up of people of color or was really covering the issues around communities of color. So we started 
basically to kind of fill that void. Uh, we, we are a nonprofit. Uh, we're 501c3 nonprofit. So we run on donations and as well as like foundation grants and things. Um, and, you know, so that's kind of, uh, and, and it became quickly very clear that this same void exists statewide. So we cover a lot of statewide issues as well. Uh, so we don't do a lot of sports, frankly, because, um, you know, our audience is just interested in different things. Um, but soccer is obviously uh, a sport that's the world's sport. And, um, you know, with this club, when Ford Madison was just getting off the ground, they made it very clear that they wanted to appeal to a diverse audience as well as uh, new Americans, you know, the immigrant population. Um, mm-hmm. We have a really strong Latino leader, uh, readership. So obviously, um, you know, that uh, an audience that's maybe not interested in Badger basketball is going to be interested in local soccer. Absolutely. Right? So we decided to, to, you know, to go all in on, on covering uh, local professional soccer. Kind of seems like a match made in heaven forward Madison and Madison three, six, five sort of kind good. of fits yeah. that. Was that, did you get that, that sense when you kind of assign yourself the beat, did you get a sense of like, okay, this, this crossover is going to be uh, going to be a real thing between the fans mm-hmm. of forward Madison and the people who are going to be interested in what we're doing as a whole. Exactly. Right. Yes. Uh, and, and I got that conversation. I got that from my very first conversation with uh, Peter Wilts, who was the founding director mm-hmm. of, you know, back when I first talked to him, it was Madison professional soccer. They didn't have a name yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he was very, um, he was really on Madison 365 and what we were trying to do and understanding that we're a local independent community outlet and they wanted to be a very intentionally community focused club. Mm-hmm. So it just made perfect sense that, uh, you know, there's going to be a good synergy there. Yeah. We'll get into that. Uh, presence and that footprint that forward Madison has in the community uh, around the Madison area in a little bit. But first, Mm -hmm. for those who who don't know a lot about forward Madison or who maybe they bought a t-shirt or maybe they bought the drip kit online, but they don't know too much background on the club. um, You know, obviously forward Madison was founded in 2018. How did Madison, Wisconsin of all places find itself with a professional soccer team? Well, it it goes back 20 years, actually, that the Madison Mallards is our local summer collegiate baseball team, Northwoods League baseball team. And uh, they've always been very, very successful, you know, with the same kind of community connections, a lot of entertainment value, uh, really good. You know, you could take your family to a ball game there for like $25. You know, they've been really uh, all in on that. And they've been successful there. And that the company that owns the Mallards is called Big Top Sports. And several years ago, maybe six or seven years ago, maybe even longer ago than that now, um, they took over management of Reese Stevens Field, which is this historic old stadium, downtown Madison. It's owned by the city, but they uh, contracted with Big Top Sports to manage that stadium. And that stadium has been used for everything over the years. You know, Jesse Owens ran an exhibition race there in like 1938. You know, it's like... Uh, been used for everything but lately in the past 10 20 years it's been used mainly for soccer for like high school soccer and uh, like high level amateur soccer so you put two and two together and you, there's you know this there's you hear rumors around the country about lower level soccer growing in the united states you hear the successful local sports uh company takes over the management of a soccer field and people started to speculate like is this does this mean that the people who run the Mallards, this baseball team, are actually going to start a soccer team. And then you hear that they've hired Peter Wilt, right, who is the founder mm-hmm. of the Chicago Fire, Indy 11, you know, almost every, uh, you know, lower level soccer or even highest level soccer operation. Successful 
soccer operations. Yes, 100% successful. Has, you know, Peter Wilk has drifted through there at some point, right? Uh, so you're like, okay, this is serious. They're going to they're gonna do it. And they made the announcement that in 2018, like you said, that that League One, that the USL was going to start this third tier league and that Madison was going to have one of the first franchises. Awesome. Uh, which is very exciting. And I got uh, I got to sit down with Peter for, for a couple hours uh, to talk through that. And, and, you know, like I said, that was, it was called Madison Professional Soccer then. And they, mm-hmm. they did a really good job of reaching out to local like English Premier League supporters groups that there is, there are actually pretty active like Liverpool and Arsenal supporter groups here in Madison mm-hmm. and a couple of bars that would open up at 630 on Saturdays to, you know, to watch Premier League games. So they, they there was a good soccer culture in Madison that has, you know, been growing for years and years. So they kind of tapped into that. They sort of recruited those EPL supporters to become what is now the flock sort of the you know the support group so they they did a really smart thing before they were even really pushing it publicly they had made some inroads with the sort of the hardest of the hard supporters of football you know mm-hmm. to kind of create it build a supporter culture which then you know then which then goes out to those more casual fans you know was that culture enough did you get the sense because i've talked to coo connor kaloya on the show before mm-hmm. um obviously owning a, a entity like big top sports you mentioned they already own the madison mallards yep. um baseball compared to soccer nationwide in this country baseball is definitely the more popular sport the gap's closing but baseball is still very much the more popular sport did you get a sense that at all that when they kind of looked into uh creating this soccer team that the soccer team would then surpass the baseball team in terms of popularity and, and fan base. Was there enough of that soccer support in Madison that, that they had that expectation or are they even surprised by what they've had um, since? I think I, looking back on it, I think they knew what they had. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. Like I, I, when, especially yeah. when they were telling me like they were going to be selling tickets for 40 bucks, you know, like, and, and like the, the supporter land tickets are like 16 something. Uh, but you know, the higher end tickets are like 30, 40, $49, uh, which doesn't sound like a lot of money, but in Madison, that's kind of a lot for a soccer, yeah. game, for, for a soccer team that just started yeah. when, when Mess Malice tickets are like $6, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, exactly. uh, so to me, it, it, it felt like a big leap to me, but obviously they had done their homework and they knew more about it than I did. They had laid the, that groundwork, uh, and, and figured out that there was, uh, first of all, enough um, fan interest and enough community interest in the sport to to you know to sustain and support it, and not only that, but but sponsors, you know, other companies that would want to jump in on, you know, writing some checks to uh, to support the club. Uh, and I will also say they have a an investor that's uh, a co-owner of just the soccer team that yeah. is um, uh, you know sort of a. a uh, I don't know, has deeper pockets maybe and could, and was, and that's one of the reasons that they were able to kind of load all in and, and spend a lot up front and then also survive the very weird year of 2020, you know, and, and really ramp up into this year. You mentioned USL League One, obviously launching at the same time that Forward Madison launched, you know, yep. Forward Madison being one of those uh, kind of anchor clubs to USL League One. Was League One looking at Madison as one of their markets specifically, or did Madison sort of put up their hand? Did Peter Welt sort of put up his hand and say, hey, this is a place you need to go? What was that dynamic like between the league and the um, club itself and both of them growing at the same yeah. time? Yeah, that, that, those kind of discussions aren't real public knowledge, but okay. my sense is that it's more the latter. Okay. That, you know, everybody in soccer knows Peter. So, you know, you know, Peter was involved in those early conversations about yep. one and, and probably 
you kind of pointed at you know both Milwaukee and Madison as potential um, as potential markets, and then knowing that you know Big Time Sports is here and has a track record um, and knows this city, you know, knows what, how to turn this city on. Um, I, I think it was um, kind of a no-brainer uh, mm. to put this lower-level team here. So inaugural season took place in 2019. Yep. Um, Obviously, there weren't. It was the first year of USL League One, so there weren't too many teams, and every team was sort of new in USL League One. Yeah. Uh, what were the expectations for Forward Madison specifically going into that year? Were there any, or, or kind of what <laughs> ha, had they built a roster of of names where you would say, okay, yeah, there are expectations here? What was that sort of dynamic like heading into that first year? Well, to the extent that uh, USL level players are known, they did get a couple of known names. Like Don Smart was their first. Mm-hmm. Uh, signing, you know, from uh, and he was pretty known you know, having played with Indy 11. He's now with Greenville. Um, and you know, they got you know, Brian Silvestri as the goalkeeper who was, you know, had had a little taste of uh, MLS. Uh, they got Paulo Jr. who had MLS experience. They have Pato Diaz uh, who had top flight experience in Mexico. So, like, it looked like they were going to try to make a run, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of fan interest, I, I think, you know, the, the, the stadium holds about 5,000 people. Um, and they, the club had far and away the, the highest per game attendance yeah. in the league. And I'm not sure they necessarily anticipated that, mm-hmm. uh, but obviously they were quite pleased <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, with that. And, and it became a, it became an environment where people wanted to play, you know, like it, yeah. visiting players would want to play that because they, you know, the flock got pretty good at, you know, singing for 90 solid minutes and um, in a way that you didn't see necessarily another league one stadiums how surprised were you at the uh, sort of the community response and the attendance of the club i was uh, I, I did one of those things where i was like oh i knew it was going to be like this but i didn't uh, <laughs> i was like i knew Matt. i knew you had it in you madison uh but no i was the yeah. first um i went to a, a friendly when they played the U- university of wisconsin badgers in a preseason friendly that first night that first season a week before the season got underway and i was just flabbergasted at the number of people who were there the number of people who were enthusiastically there you know like like this is a brand new team you don't know who any of these guys are but you this couple thousand people has decided to go all in on yeah. this brand new club that you know we're, we don't have any connection to these people but we're going to make one mm-hmm. Madison kind of took it on itself to make this connection and uh and that was there from that very first home friendly uh then the first home the home opening game against Greenville, uh, April 27th, 2019, they had to delay kickoff a half hour to plow the snow off the field. Oh, wow. <laughs> which made for kind of a wild night. It was, it was the most exciting zero, zero draw you've ever. You've Sounds ever. like the loons opener. The first game at a uh, yeah. TCF yeah. bank stadium is the snow game. People still talk and, about it. Yeah. The, the snow opener, they call it. Yep. Uh, but, uh, but I think on the field expectations were, uh, ultimately exceeded. I hope they ended up, you know, in that first season, they had uh, the top four clubs in the table made it into the playoff, right? Yeah, the two games, yep. basically. Uh, and on the last day of the, uh, of the season, they beat Lansing Ignite 1-0 uh, to make it, to get into that fourth spot after having been as low as like ninth out of the 11 teams. Like they were, mm. they had a really, uh, rough patch in the middle of the season there, but ended up climbing their way back and getting into fourth and then uh, ultimately losing to North Texas in the semifinal and North Texas, of course, went on to win 
uh, the league uh, a week later. But, so uh, what? Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, but it was, it was a. Uh, I think I from my, where I sit at least, expectations uh, were pretty much wildly exceeded all over the place. So why the name? the flamingos like how did that become the nickname because i talked to Con- i talked to connor kaloya and he had mentioned just sweating bullets the night before they let they unleash oh, really? unleash the the logo because he didn't know how it would be uh accepted and obviously it has been very much so but how did they come up with this sort of brand as the flamingos yeah they, they actually did a smart thing where they actually uh, uh opened it up to fan suggestions for what this name what the club should be called mm. um and uh you know a whole bunch of Fun, you know the cows the, <laughs> the blue lakes the, the whatever the and but madison um and one of the one of the uh, like one of the finalists for that name was the flamingos and there's a story behind that there was in the early 1980s late 70s early 80s there was a, a political party on the university of wisconsin campus called the pale and shovel party it was not really a political party it was more just a bunch of guys that did pranks mm-hmm. okay and one of the pranks they did in 1980 was to put over a thousand of those plastic pink lawn flamingos on Bascom Hill, which is where the administrative offices are of the university are. Okay. Overnight. And so one day they just people got up and there was a thousand more yeah. than of these pink lawn flamingos all over this beautiful, you know, grass mall on campus. Pretty good prank. <laughs> it was a good prank. And uh and it became sort of iconic thing that then would happen every, it, it was kind of dormant for a while. And then a couple of years later, it started to become like an annual thing. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, uh, you know, 20, 25 years. And uh, the, the mayor of Madison, who was a student, or, you know, was a UW student through, through like the 1960s uh, and had that sort of, you know, anti-war protester hippie thing going on you know even into his curmudgeonly old age actually declared the pink lawn flamingo as the official bird of madison <laughs> which is that's amazing the law of the land to this day that the pink lawn flamingo is the official bird of the city of madison that's fantastic yeah so what they settled on for the official name of the club though was forward madison forward is the state motto of the state of mm-hmm. wisconsin right so Forward Madison becomes the name of the club, but they decided to incorporate that flamingo into the logo. Of course. Uh, and it didn't, I, I remember the next week or so after they announced that and unveiled the crest, you know, with the flamingo on it, um, I was, they had, I was announcing, I was like writing up a story about a new signing or something and I, and I debated it. And I was like, do I put, do I call them the flamingos? Like in the headline? Mm-hmm. Is it for Madison signs somebody or is it like flamingos ad? Uh, I don't know. So I ultimately decided to do it. And at that same time, like the other newspapers did too. Yeah. So it became kind of an organic thing. It wasn't like the club told said, Hey, we're the flamingos now. Like yeah. we in the media and then the community kind of adopted that flamingos. And then uh, that winter, the geniuses at the social media office there um, put, uh, put Mingo, which is their, their official plastic lawn flamingo that they had. Uh, out on the field when it was snowing and they took pictures of it as the snow built up yep i've seen that and i'm sure everybody's seen this and it got to like the lower tail feathers and and they're like hey you're wondering how much snow there is there's a half mingo of snow (laughs) and then it kept snowing and it kept growing and they kept tweeting and and then finally it gets to the top of the mingo's head and it's full mingo 
Yeah. And there you go. Snowfall. But that became the thing, right? Flamingo became the sort of the, the, I don't know, the motto, the... A hashtag is born. Exactly right. Exactly. So the zeitgeist of the club is is now Flamingo. So when you go on Flamingo, then you're, means you're all in. That's amazing. And that's how like the best the best things sort of catch on is in an organic way when it's not like we are this, so you should call us this. It's just kind of when it just happens like that, that's exactly. how the best things come to be. Yep. hundred percent. So now, so I don't know how it'll be this summer, but you know, by the middle of that first season, the, the, the of course, then the flock becomes the, um, the supporters group. Of course. And now the flock, whenever opponents are taking corner kicks or any sort of set plays, they, the flock will start making flamingo noises like whoop. Whoop. I don't know. I'm not very good at it. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, what's a flamingo sound like? But that, I don't, I don't even know if that's a real flamingo noise, but they'll start to make that sort of bird type noise. <laughs> it's a, it becomes, becomes a thing. And of course, the, the kits are, you know, all that, that sort of, um, you know, some for a combination of pink and blue and yeah, you know, really distinctive looking kits and, and colors and stuff. And so it's, it, like I say, it's, it's cool that it happens kind of organically that way. Yeah, and it sort of opens itself up to the creativity that we've seen from the club, both when you're talking about kits or just social media presence or branding, whatever it is. So that's that's awesome. Let's talk about a couple players who have really been mainstays for yeah. for Madison throughout their time here. Um, the first one who has been there since the beginning, uh, Connor Tobin. Uh, we saw the uh, the hype video that the team released for his yeah. re-signing, which is one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how has Connor become so synonymous with forward Madison? Um, again, I think it, it's kind of organic. He was not the first signing or anything like that, but um, you know, pe- people people who follow lower level soccer know him. He's been around for a long time, um, playing in various places at U.S. Championship level, um, and so it was kind of a it was a big get, obviously, to get a big center back like that who's a veteran, who is the obvious guy to wear the captain's armband, you know, from the very beginning of his time here, and. Um, and he just he just kind of became all in on the community connection, you know what I mean? Um, and mm-hmm. for that, I mentioned that the UW friendly. That's the first time I met him in person. Was he wasn't even suited up that day? He was just with the flock. He was like in the flock and drinking with the guys, you know? Yeah. Fan. Um, and he said, you know, this place is just as cracked up is everything is cracked up to be, you know, when he signed. So, and I think he has aspirations to work in management. If not, he's already there, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's what I say. Like they actually gave him a part-time front office job this year as a community relations coordinator person. So he's gonna he's like heading up all their cooperations with nonprofits and you Mm. know other local soccer clubs and stuff like that. Um, And uh, and he's also sending um, handwritten cards to thank people for getting vaccinated. Uh, Awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Tweeted a picture of yourself, uh, you know, wearing a Ford Madison jersey getting your second shot or whatever he'll people are getting handwritten notes from Connor Tobin so it's really cool uh and and it helps that he's you know performing on the field he's a stalwart center back still and there was some and 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 I will also say at some point during the 2019 season it became a tradition for anytime they won somebody would hand him a beer and he would throw the whole thing down and that's become the the, the post game (laughs) chug uh, has become kind of a tradition. So, and there was some question after that season because he was already obviously, you know, in his 30s. There was some questions as to whether he had a shoulder issue. This question is he going to come back? And then, of course, he did. And that was great. And then the season was kind of truncated last year, obviously. So then to have him back again this year, um, 
you know, he's just a, he's a trooper. He's a warrior, you know, and, and people really appreciate that. I think. So this is probably his last year. Do you think, I mean, never say never, but I mean, I, I, I don't even want to say, I would, I would have thought last year would have been his last year, but um, mm-hmm. back and I, I fully expected him to transition into a management role. Cause I think he's yeah. committed to stay around Madison for a little bit, but I, and I fully expected that transition. So uh, for this year, but if we hear him coming back to stay on the field with also this other, so I'm if this is kind of a, a transitional step for him yeah i wouldn't be surprised if he's not on the field next year but i also wouldn't be surprised if he was uh let's transition and go to michael vang obviously yeah. st paul native here uh had a breakout history making rookie year in 2019 became the first uh player among descents yep. to uh start and score a goal in professional soccer here in america which is awesome um the, the jersey he was wearing at that time is now in the collection of the state historical society that is amazing i mean that that's so cool definitely well deserved um talk to me a little bit about michael i mean did he just come out of nowhere in 2019 uh Um, and um kind of how big has he been for the club uh he's been pretty huge for the club he could have been even huger because he missed the first couple of games last year due to international transfer paperwork problems yep i remember that he he had played in portugal the year before um and there were some issues of paperwork but but he made an impact i mean he scored eight minutes into his debut so mm-hmm. he can't impact much faster than that. Uh, ended up with four goals on the season, which led the club, which tells you something about the club's problems last year. The year leading yeah. scorer has four goals. Uh, but, you know, it's just it's the, the energy uh, is different when he's on the field. And, like, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the attack works through him. And there's just no question about that. And he's now 21 years old. Uh, which is promising, and yeah. I am. Uh, and he trained. Uh, he got a couple couple of weeks in. I think almost a month in training with Chicago Fire this preseason, which is huge. Which is really really big. So I'm hoping that got him some experience. I uh, having watched him play last year. You know, I didn't. I was COVID paranoid, so I didn't actually go to any games, but I watched every game. And mm-hmm. watching him play last year, uh, alongside USL League One level talent, I fully expected him to be at a higher level this year. I'm really pleasantly surprised to have him back in Madison this year. Uh, I, he's got uh, talent, uh, you know, he's got very much level, higher level talent. For sure. Does does that say something about the league in terms of the, the talent and the quality of play league wide that, that he is still, um, you know, uh, that is still able to kind of play competitively and, and, and maybe have that decision and sort of being forced to move up the ladder because of his quality? Is there sort of a rise in play league wide that's kind of leading that? I, I will say just I, I think that's actually a really smart insight, Jeremy, that um, just watching the first couple of weeks of this league one season, the quality is higher than it was last year. Mm-hmm. for the most part um it, at least to my amateur age it looks looks much higher um but also i think it says something about madison and about the club yeah they're sure. that, that high level guys want to play here because they know they'll get the development they need but while also playing in a really exciting environment that mm-hmm. it feels like a higher level environment when you're yeah. playing at reese stevens field um but also that obviously you know i don't know any any details of any contracts but they've got a bunch of guys who are in the USL championship last year who probably wouldn't take a step down unless they were being properly compensated. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, yeah, uh, for sure. That leads me to believe, and again, I don't have any inside information on this, but I believe that the club is making some significant exec, uh, investments in player salary to, because they want to put a really great product on the field. Of course. You know? Um, 
during this time in 2019, also uh, Ford Madison began a partnership with Minnesota United, yep. um, had Loons players uh, who maybe weren't, weren't getting the time, some rookies, uh, you know, coming down to play for Madison, guys like Dane St. Clair, um, Hassani Dodson, Mason Toy, all uh, suited up for Ford Madison during that first year. Um, at the same time, this sort of opened up a whole new location fan base for forward Madison, because this is also coming at a time where there are a lot of, a lot of forward Madison fans who sort of missed the pre MLS loons, uh, the NASL loons where they would play at the, the NSC, the national sports center here, have that sort of intimate environment, be super close to yep. the players, kind of the freedoms uh, that, that the, that the club had as well. Uh, in terms of entertainment and kind of how they portrayed themselves being at the lower league level or the, excuse me, the semi-pro level. Um, So uh, at the same time, this allowed those Minnesota United fans to sort of have something else to grab onto. Um, Did you get that sense in Madison too? And what was that sort of partnership with Minnesota United? How big was that for Madison specifically in that first year? Yeah. What's, what's interesting is that the, 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 nothing against those guys, but those loanees didn't do a hell of a lot for Madison. (laughs) So I, uh, didn't couldn't score anything for us and goes back to Minnesota and starts and just gets on fire and we're, we're down here we're all like hey where was this yeah <laughs> you know? uh, but the partnership in terms of the like you said the fans were great uh, we had a friendly against Minnesota United um, in the middle of the season and a bunch of bunch of Loons fans drove down made, made the drive down and and mm-hmm. I went up to Minnesota for the USL uh, I'm sorry the US Open Cup semifinal uh, that August and uh, I had my forward Madison stuff on and it was re- and people were recognizing it you know like hey Gomingos you know among Minnesota fans which is really cool to see yeah and uh, I think with the, is with Chicago and yeah the new yeah the new partnership with Chicago but I just want to mention uh, you know the announcement we make a little bit later on uh, in this interview will kind of kind of go along the same lines with that Minnesota Madison connection that there is so yeah. Uh, but yeah now obviously going into last year pre COVID. Um, the team announced that they were uh, signing an exclusive partnership with the Chicago Fire. Obviously, right. we mentioned that Michael Vang has been one of the guys who's actually gone to train with the Fire. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the reverse has happened where some Chicago P- Fire players are maybe down on the depth chart of have trained and, and could suit up for forward Madison this season. Yeah. Um, what have you seen from the partnership with Chicago specifically in its early stages, if anything? Yeah, the, we, we, the, the fan thing isn't quite as strong just because Chicago's had MLS for 25 years. You know? Yeah. Um, there's strong lower level and, and sort of semi-pro and amateur tradition in Chicago as well, but uh, we haven't quite gotten that. I'm sorry, and, which also is probably a function of just the weird season last year. Like that might be totally different this year when yeah. people can actually go to the games and stuff and we have games in Madison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the loanies we had from uh, Chicago last year were awesome. Chris Brady, the goalkeeper, uh, was 16 years old and was within an inch of winning the Golden Globe for wow you know that's crazy like it was at the point that if he had kept a clean sheet in the last game he would have been the best goalkeeper in the usl league one he was usl league one new young player of the year right yep yep and uh you know i i I don't know the chicago goalkeeper situation exactly but i would not be shocked if he was back here in madison this year amazing Uh, i did talk with carl craig the head coach who is beloved by minnesota folks as well Mm -hmm. um and uh he they haven't even heard yet whether or what which loanies they're going to be getting so but i'm sure there'll be quality guys you know that yeah. will really get that'll hopefully get some minutes for their own development but also actually uh, you know contribute uh, here at madison 
Yeah, uh, just kind of uh, recapping 2020 real quick. Obviously finished a disappointing seventh weird year where Ford Madison was having to travel an hour to train even longer. Yeah, Dane County where Madison is uh, had some of the most strict uh, health orders, you know, like just Mm. really strict limitations on gatherings and stuff, which personally I feel was the right call. You know, unfortunately the, the side effect of that is that the club has to drive to Wisconsin Dells in the next county up to train and then to Waukesha or to Wauwatosa, I mean, I'm sorry, near, near Milwaukee for home games. Yep. And, and that's just not an ideal situation. Obviously. No, no. And you know, a lot of factors played into that too, but mm-hmm. obviously heading into this, this year, the Minnesota Madison connections continue as Carl Craig, like you mentioned, becomes yep. the newest head coach, former Minnesota United manager. Um, what have you seen from him and just kind of what, I mean, obviously they haven't played any, uh, you know, real matches yet aside from preseason since he started, but what, what is, what has he injected into this club just with, just with his presence. And since he's been signed from what you've been able to see. Um, I think he's got a, he's got that real community minded mindset and he really wants to sign guys who are good players, but also good guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, he seems, he's a very Madison type of guy. He was in a punk band, you know, he, Mm-hmm. which is exactly like exactly what a madison person would do like everybody <laughs> bad at some point so yep. he fits right in um but he also has a very um uh, commitment to really entertaining style of football mm-hmm. uh and you know last year the past two years really madison has had this tremendously good and stingy defense and has done really well as a good goalkeeping has had a good uh, back line anchored by Connor Tobin, like we said, um, and as well as Eric Leonard in the number six spot right in front of Connor Tobin, like that, the, like that. And then the, the back line basically has been uh, held intact for this season. And that's been very successful for them for the past couple of years where what they've lacked is finishing. Yeah. Right. And that's what Carl is really pushing on is that is, you know, we're going to have a more dynamic midfields. We're going to be pushing forward. We're going to get the, the wing backs more involved in the attack um, and uh, uh, be really on the front foot. We're not going to do this um, hold possession, wait for an opportunity. Mm-hmm. We're not going to, you know, we're going to be on the front foot. We're going to be pushing forward, uh, which is what, you know, former manager Daryl Shore said he wanted to do, but it just never quite materialized. So what have you seen in the preseason? I mean, are they kind of uh, fulfilling on those expectations? I know they've played uh, USL championship sides like Indy 11, SKC reserves. They just played uh, in-state um, lower league uh, side Bavarians just this past weekend, a 4-0 win in that one. Yep. Uh, what have you seen what, specifically from the attack so far in the preseason? What I've seen that's I've uh, most happy about, frankly, is uh, steady improvement over those four games. Mm-hmm. Right, The first couple of games, they were pretty disjointed. They, they, of course... You know, for early preseason matches, you've got trialists, you're trying things out, you're experimenting. Not to mention, uh, several of the international players have been slow to join uh, and maybe not fully fit quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've just been having paperwork, immigration stuff that's kind yeah. of delayed a few of the international guys. Um, but in the past two, uh, you know, they, they actually surprisingly beat uh, Sporting Kansas City Reserves 1-0. Yeah. And then um, I talked with Carl just before this final game against uh, Milwaukee Bavarians, which is the other kind of a really high level amateur club. Um, and basically said, you know, we're going to be respectful, but we're going to be professional and, and we expect a really convincing result. And that's exactly what they got. Four nil, awesome. four different guys scored. Um, you know, Gustavo Fernandez, uh, center back, 
had a really nice header goal off of a corner. Uh, they were really pushing forward. They were really, uh, I think, I think they'll come out of that with a tremendous amount of confidence in their attack, which I think is might be one thing that was lacking before. They just didn't quite have the confidence that they could take that final, uh, you know, the final shot and, and, and get it get it in the back of the net. And uh, I think they will be feeling pretty high on themselves as they go to Tucson this weekend. So as far as the new signings go that they've made this offseason, Aaron Malloy, one of those, um, former former Mingo Audi Jepson coming back to the club after a year with St. Louis. Um, you know, are there any new players? We talked about kind of the players who have been there. Are there any new players that we should really keep an eye on here in 2021 and keep a lookout for? Well, uh, Jake Keegan uh, has been really successful with Greenville. He'll be in that number nine spot. Um, Carl did tell me that Derek Gebhardt, uh, who has a bit of uh, ESL league, uh, USL championship experience uh, has quietly been the, the best best player in the preseason. Um, you got Tyler Allen, uh, who didn't play, but has been with Reno uh, in the USL championship. Um, you know, he's looking pretty good. Um, uh, yeah, I think, I think there's a, a lot of very promising talent. Uh, Justin Zucow, uh, it will kind of fill in the number 10 spot uh, along with Carlos Gomez. Um, you know, I, I think we've got a ton of talent uh, going forward. Uh, the question is whether or not um, Carl can get them to work to become a really great team as well. Absolutely. So that's it for kind of the on-field discussion. Let's go to what's happening off the field or in the stands specifically here in 2021. Sure. Vaccinated session, sections, I should say, are uh, in development right now at Bree Stevens Field. This means vaccinated individuals with proof of vaccination can actually come together at games in a section with no social distancing restrictions. This is, you know, full pre-COVID uh, sort of fan uh, fan experience here. Um what do you know about this in terms of the, the development of this and, and, and the club kind of putting this together? And uh, I mean, how awesome is this going to be uh, for Ford Madison awesome. fans? I hope people take advantage of it. Um, I know the club has been very uh, sort of uh, pushing hard on uh, vaccinations. They've been, every time they get a player vaccinated, they post it on social media. They're really trying to encourage people because they know that that's, that's the way we're going to get back to what it used to be. Normal life, yeah. And uh, every Stevens Field and everywhere else in our lives, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so they've been very pushing it. And so to offer this as an incentive, which they were able to do with the latest health order, basically kind of lifts most restrictions on outdoor gatherings in Dane County with a stipulation that you can't, um, that you have to distance households from each other. So like if yep. you have, you know, your family can go to a game, but your family has to stay six feet from every other family. So when that new order came out, they actually went to the local health department and said, what about a vaccinated section? And they actually seem to have gotten the go-ahead for this. Exactly how many tickets will be in that section, I think, is still open. They, they um, will, you know, they'll be laying that out very soon. And the, what it also looks like is that, you know, children under 16 are not allowed to get vaccinated yet and therefore will not be able to be in that section. Mm -hmm. So when I take my kids to the first home game, we're going we're gonna to have to get a... a a family pod, you know, to yeah. go, which, which is totally fine. I get it. Um, but I'm hoping that that means that we'll have a, you know, a, a good contingent of fans that can be kind of in full voice, you know, singing to support the club. 
And Wisconsin, actually, to their credit, has been one of the uh, the best states in terms of getting vaccinations done and, and getting out there and the numbers of vaccinations. So that's been that's been, I think, a crucial part of this, too, in terms yeah. of being able to get that to get that done and taken care of. Um, do they plan? I mean, obviously, everybody kind of plans to grow their attendance as the, as the season rolls on. Um, is there any talks right now of, OK, yeah, it's going to be one section at first, but then maybe we can expand that to two different sections? Um, you know, is there any talk of kind of how this do they have a plan of progression, I guess, when it comes to this? Yes. Uh, well, they do. The last time I actually talked to them about that was before uh, they announced this vaccine section. So I, I don't think they have a lot of those details worked out on the vaccinated on the vaccinated section yet. And I'm not sure that it, or they worked on just haven't really announced them yet. Uh, mm -hmm. They did the talk before that, though, when they were just selling pods of, uh, you know, basically like pods of four tickets that had to be like distance from other pods. Um, they were probably going to be around 20% capacity, which would be about a thousand people per game, which is, mm -hmm. you know, not bad, I guess. It's yeah. a larger group than we've had <laughs> in Daytona sure. over a year now. Uh, but I, I, I would imagine if they can get this vaccinated section, you know, up and running and knowing that, like you say, Wisconsin has been very good at getting people vaccinated and Dane County has been even better than the state of Wisconsin. Um, I would imagine there's a lot of people who are going to be able to buy tickets in those sections. So I would hope that that could get us closer to 35, you know, ish percent capacity and uh, maybe up to like a full flock in. Yeah. yeah the, the supporter group was, you know, had, you know, several hundred up to maybe a thousand tickets. So. Uh, last question uh, on this particularly, I know uh, there are people, you know, in Minnesota and the twin cities here listening to this and be like, Oh, that sounds, that sounds awesome. Is this any vaccinated individual or is there a locality uh, restriction on that in terms of who can actually get tickets to one of these vaccinated sections? As far as I know, it's anybody who can show that you were vaccinated more than two weeks ago. Got it. Your second shot or your, either your one Johnson Johnson or your second Pfizer Moderna shot. Uh, more than two weeks before the game because you got gotta it. have two weeks to build up the immunity and stuff but i don't i'm not aware of any uh geographic restrictions on that got it all right um last couple questions here and thanks so much rob for uh taking yeah. the time and we'll be taking some more time to talk about uh forward madison in the future that in just a minute but um first kind of the last question of the interview here um off the field ford madison has really solidified themselves as a huge presence in the community one of the more unique brands in american soccer um can you speak to that community impact a little bit being in madison kind of some of the initiatives that they're putting out there and and sort of it's just kind of the, the overall presence that they have in that madison community that may have been lacking uh from sports teams prior yeah, I think that's a, that's really key uh, for the lower, especially for lower level soccer where you, or any sports so you, where you don't automatically have a, uh, you know, oh, oh you're going to put an NBA team here? Okay, I'm going to be a fan of that team. You know what I mean? Like yeah. lower levels, lower level stuff, you need to have more than just the on the field product. And they knew that. So, um, you know, they've done a very good job of uh, engaging supporters. Like, for example, uh, their away kit last year. Uh, you, if you look very closely at the away kit, you can see like the, literally the names of all the season ticket holders stitched into the fabric on the kit. That is so awesome. And they had and season yeah. ticket holders, you know, on the pictures too, like the influencer yep. pictures uh, yep. online so, that they took yep. when they unveiled like, it. Last year they had, so they had cool. players delivering cookies to people who re-upped their subscriptions and stuff. Yeah. Fantastic. But beyond that, beyond just like, you, you know, cultivating ticket buyers, they're also been very, um, very smart about, um, partnering with nonprofit organizations, partnering with like with Madison 365, for example, which is a nonprofit organization where mm -hmm. we've kind of got a sponsorship agreement with them that we're no 
money is changing hands, but they're helping to promote us while we're helping to promote them and cover them. Um, our coverage is still independent, but but we'll do some advertising and stuff with them. Um, and uh, um, you know, with the other local soccer clubs, they one thing they're not going to do is build their own youth academy. They're going to mm -hmm. partner with youth programs that already exist in Madison. Awesome. You know, especially ones that maybe are a bit more accessible um, yes. to, to kids who maybe don't have $1,200 to spend on a season, you know, for mm -hmm. an elite club. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, all those kinds of things are, are just really important to the, to the kind of the DNA of this club. All right. It is announcement time, Rob. Um, this is, this is not the first time that you will hear Rob Chapel and I talk about forward Madison because starting Monday, you will hear talking flock. It is a weekly full Mingo podcast featuring Rob and myself. Uh, May 10th is the first episode this coming Monday and every Monday thereafter during the season, uh, we will be in the 10,000 10, pitches podcast feed uh, with a new episode for you uh, talking about everything forward Madison. Rob, I I'm super excited for this man. And uh, also shout out to the folks at Madison 365 for sharing you with me uh, oh, yeah. for this podcast. Um, just, just an excellent, uh, I think outlet for us to talk forward Madison. And, uh, and I hope it's a, it's a good outlet for the, the forward Madison faithful to tune in as well. Yeah, I'm, I am very, very excited. I, I could, as you could probably tell, I could sit here and talk soccer forever and ever. Yep. Same. Uh, and uh, <laughs> as I'm sure you could, uh, and, and I just, my, as I said, my coverage of this club is independent and, but part of being a community journalist is, I, you know, I can be a fan and cover it fairly at the same time, you know, mm -hmm. yep. uh, and I hope we can continue to do that and kind of bring that sort of journalistic lens to this club and to this league. Uh, so really looking forward to, um, you know, starting next week, uh, breaking down that the first game at Tucson and, yep. uh, and just, you know, get going from there. Bridging the gap. I mean, we've already yeah. talked about kind of the two fan base, uh, two presence of fan base uh, that Ford Madison has both in Madison here in Minnesota with you being there and me being in the twin cities, we're bridging that gap and bringing those fan bases together in awesome. one place. Um, so very excited. Follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter is live at talk and flock. You can also follow Rob on Twitter at Rob chapel, three, six, five, Rob, uh, talk to you here in a few days, buddy. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're getting going here. Thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast. And of course, thanks again for, um, you know, uh, joining, uh, talking flock and, uh, being part of this project. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's great talking to you today and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Big thanks again to Aaron Olson from Minneapolis city and Rob chapel who covers forward Madison for Madison three, six, five. Very, very excited to have Rob become part of the 10 K team here. Uh, with Talking Flock, which does debut on Monday. Something that we didn't get to mention in the interview because we hadn't locked it down during the interview yet is actually we're having forward Madison head coach Carl Craig on episode one with us. So very excited about that. Monday afternoon, that'll be in your uh, that'll be in your podcast feed. So definitely check that out. I didn't even I didn't even know the coach was coming. Yeah, we we I mean like 20 minutes before we started recording. This would be oh. locked it down. So I did it literally just happened. I feel like 50% of like the big announcements you talk about, I don't know about. I find out with everyone else. It's like, it's kind of exciting, you know? Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes I do that. Sometimes I do that to get your, you know, your reaction. It's like in pro wrestling. So I'm going to, I'm going to make a wrestling reference here. Good. We all love those. It's very it's popular. Sport. <laughs> so a lot of the announcers in pro wrestling, even though the outcomes determined to the match before it happens, they don't want to know because they want to give their actual like, Gen yeah, yeah. genuine reaction to what's happening so similar similar thing there anyway, yeah similar thing i love on, on twitter when you're like 
when you'll tweet from like your 10k account like big announcement this friday and i read it i'm like oh my like there's a big announcement this friday like, <laughs> like what what that's what, exciting what? Like, like what's going on i'm so thrilled okay yeah, yeah, yeah that's it's what fun. i do i just try to amp you up a little bit yeah. you know some of them i know about then it's not as fun i'll let you keep you on your toes Let's move on to talk about all the soccer that's happening in uh, in and around Minnesota and Wisconsin this weekend. And there is a ton to get to. Uh, first, let's start in the NPSL North. Two games, opening night in the NPSL North. Joy Athletic, first ever uh, match as a club in the NPSL North. They will be hosting Dakota Fusion. That's happening at 7 p.m. Saturday at Oriole Stadium in St. Louis Park. And then uh, Minneapolis City will be traveling to Sioux Falls to take on the Thunder at 7 p.m. Saturday. Um, that's at Yankton Trail Park in Sioux Falls there. So uh, two big matches. One, obviously, because it's the first ever match for Joy Athletic. And then Minneapolis City and Sioux Falls, two clubs that, you know, finished, I believe, in the top three in the uh, in the 2019 NPSL standings. So good, good slate there for the NPSL to kick off things. Yeah, great slate. I, uh, I, oh, I was going to. I was going to interject a comment, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, please do. it's kind of, it's kind of how these work. Uh, we talk, you know, in tandem. Well, I gave um, you, I gave you some time and you didn't sound like you didn't pause. You didn't, uh, you didn't pause long enough. You didn't pause okay. long enough. Anyway, like a five second um, count in my head before I move on. Yeah. Okay. So I think in, I, in the preseason, in our rankings earlier this year for the MPSL North, I think I had MPL, MPLS city and joy coming in at one and two. Um, so yeah. So you know, we'll see how that stands. I, I had joy further down in my standings, uh, just yeah. being their first year. Um, I do think there will be some growing pains there, but I hope they prove me wrong. Uh, that would be awesome to see, uh, you know, Minneapolis city and joy both kind of up there a, because they're both hyper local, but B, you know, that little bit of a little bit of Twitter back and forth that they had going on a few weeks ago. It'd be kind of cool to back that up with, uh, you know, uh, if they both finish near the top of the standings and maybe played each other in the playoffs, that would be kind of cool. I like I I know this isn't the end all be all whatever, but like Joy, they um they post they're they're pretty active on Twitter and IG and whatever. And yeah, I feel like every player I see from them like that they sign is like you know D one former pro been in the Joy Athletic system for like yeah that's 25. that's a huge thing though. Like yeah. when you come up through that system, there's a lot of cohesion there between between. Um, you know, that scenario, when you compare that scenario to a scenario of a lot of these clubs who are just, you know, bringing on new guys every single year. I mean, there are some who have been there for a while, but for the most part, they're kind of, uh, you know, I wouldn't call it a revolving door, but there is some turnover there uh, for a lot of these clubs where if you're a club like Joy Athletic and you kind of have a youth system already in place. I mean, I think that's the whole that's the whole thing of Joy Athletic. Uh, and that's the whole reason they started it is because they have this youth system and all these guys are getting older now and getting to that age. So why not launch a club when you've had all these ki kids who have been playing together for I don't know seven eight years? Like yeah, you have that, you have like huge. an eight you have like an eighteen year old kid that's been with the program for twenty five years and you're just like just like what's what's going on? So we'll see we'll see how that goes in their first season. I mean we'll see if that if that leads to immediate success. I think that is a good formula for long term success and long term stability um, in the NPSL. We'll see if that's the case uh, you know here in their first season. But and they got cool, you. and they got cool jerseys. Brought to you by yep. Stimulus Athletic, yeah, uh, the official athletic design jerseys. Yeah, the official sponsor of Ten Thousand Pitches. Head over exactly. there. Boom. All right. All right, let's move over to the UPSL North, as we call it, the Midwest Conference West Division. Uh, Minneapolis City Two hosts Inter Minneapolis. That is seven p.m. on Saturday at Edor Nelson Field on the campus of Augsburg College. Uh, big matchup 
week two in the NPSL. Uh, it's Minneapolis City 2's first match of the season. I had them coming in second behind Vlora in my UPSL standings. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle a team like Inter, who is coming off an impressive win in their first ever match. We'll see if Inter can kind of keep that momentum going in that one. Uh, Rochester FC hosts FC Minneapolis Saturday, Rochester looking to bounce back from a, uh, from a loss to inter Minneapolis. Um, and that's at RCTC stadium. So Rochester, uh, community technical college there, um, in Rochester, that's where that match is going to be hosted 7 PM on Saturday turbo sports looking to bounce back from a loss of their own, uh, taking on Vlora FC. So two clubs here actually coming off losses, um, in week one. So one of them is obviously going to get back on the right track. That's happening Saturday at 7 o'clock at Concordia's Seafoam Stadium in St. Paul. And then the other match, uh, Dakota Young Stars and Brooklyn Knights do not have any information on uh, what day or time that match is actually going to be. All those other matches are at 7 p.m. on Saturday, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that match will be happening at the same time. But that's that's over in, uh, that's over in South Dakota. Um. The only thing I can add is Seafoam Stadium is a cool name for a it's stadium. A name for a stadium. When Turbo announced that's where they were playing their games, like, like I clicked because, like, that's immediate. Yeah. Like, oh, what the heck, Seafoam Stadium? I'm picturing like Seafoam seats in the stadium, yeah. like bleachers. You know, you know, it would ruin it though. Like a corporate sponsor. Like, imagine if it was Arby's Seafoam Stadium. Like, then, no, it then would be sea- something like it would be something like Long John Silver's Seafoam Stadium or something like see- that. And that that's a little gross. Like as soon as you toss <laughs> sea foam in with a with a corporate food chain, it's just like yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, but like I don't know. Like maybe if it was like like Vizio Sea Foam Stadium, that's fine. That'd, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. I don't know. If right. Vizio sponsors stadiums. I don't know. Not only is this week the start of the NPSL, it's also the start of the MASL, Minnesota Amateur Soccer League. Division One action actually kicks off tonight at the time of recording. These matches will have gone final by the time you listen on Friday. But Thursday evening, Vlora FC 2 against Cardinals, FC Minnesota, and Spam FC, which I'm really looking forward to that one uh, because that is the last two MASL champions facing each other in that one. And then Force FC taking on newcomer Haka in uh, division one action next thursday week two fc minnesota takes on cardinals that's at augsburg college 6 30 p.m next thursday stegman's 1977 and fire sc they uh square off at coon rapid soccer complex at 6 30 uh force fc and spam fc at st louis park high school that's an 8 15 kickoff and then augsburg college hosting a double header next thursday as they will also have lions sc and haka that's at 8 30 again all those games next thursday may 13th and uh, MASL.org, very, I got to give a shout out to MASL for their website. It is very easy to navigate and very easy to find when these games are happening, where these games are happening, all the information. I like the core match information you need for someone like us to actually get the word out, but also for fans and supporters who want to go out to the games. Like, great, great website to navigate for that information. The, uh, uh, the NPSL has a terrible website. I'd say the UPSLs is worse. They got a bad one too. They both like, have bad you can't websites. Even find, you can't even find match information on the UPSL. Oh, it's awful. It's the worst. Yeah, both of them. So, at least on do you the, know, UPSL's website, you can actually find what you're looking for. Do you know who has a great app though? Chipotle. Great app. Thank you for that, Ethan. Um, Domino's. I, I don't disagree, but you know. 
Like it is so easy to place an order. It is ridiculous. That's, I mean, that's on purpose. I mean, if it's easier to place an order, you're going to place more orders, right? So no, I know. Like, no, like I know, I know what they're doing. But, but it's they amazing other it restaurants so well. don't have, don't like invest in that capability though. Cause some restaurants apps just suck. Yeah. Some, some, yeah, I know. Right. Like, you know, I like the Domino's app. How about the, hey, the Noid's back, the Noid's back, but um, I haven't had Domino's. So we have, so in Cottage Grove, we have like five locally owned pizza places within like a mile and a half radius of our house. So we don't necessarily have to go, uh, have to go corporate for the pizza. There's a lot of local options, which I like. I'm all about corporate pizza, man. Like Domino's is crazy. Domino's used Domino's. to be terrible, but actually now it's pretty good. I that that's what I've heard, but I've only lived in a time when Domino's was top notch corporate pizza. Enough, you're young, you're young, young Ethan, young Brant. Here's another here's another kind of wild thing I found out today, and I'll, I'll pose it to you as a question. If I told you, like, so you tell me, is Miley Cyrus in the top fifty worldwide listened to like artists on Spotify? I would say no. She's twenty nine. Oh, okay. I mean, Wild. so I, I see. I was thinking the popular answer would be yes. Like the obvious answer to me is yes. So that's why I went no because I thought you were trying. And plus, she hasn't really put out anything. Has she put out anything like notably new in a while? Yeah, she she had like an album, and I do Lipa was on it, and like I don't uh, know. I'm see, I'm I definitely, like I'm definitely since I left, uh, since I uh, stopped working over at KS95, I'm definitely not super plugged into the pop music scene at oh. the moment. Well, so. you're missing out. There's some great stuff. Um, but yeah, I was I was blown away that she was 29th in the world on Spotify. Hey, she's coming her. to Summerfest. Good for her. Uh, she's a headliner too. Like on the graphic they posted, her name was big, which makes sense because yeah, she's, she's big name. Jonas Brothers also coming. Like Joe Summerfest. What is this? Joe Bros and Miley Cyrus? Is this like that, 2012? I know what I, that's what, what I'm saying. Here? Like Summerfest went back to like. 2012 on disney channel it was like all right like what are we what, you know, who can we get we're gonna get demi lovato we're gonna get ariana grande we're gonna you know no, she was nick she was nick big time rush little. bring them yeah. all apparently you know big time rush in the show was from duluth i did not know that i, I, I know right but, i just know the name oh yeah no they're from duluth in the show anyways i don't know about real life i, I highly they're like big time rush is actually from duluth but i i don't know but in the show they're from duluth Good to know. The more their, you apart- know- their apartment had like a slide in it, which like was super unfunctional. Like I rem- I think it's just stairs up to the slide and then you go down the slide. But like, I don't know, you know, 11, 10 year old me was, was like, oh, <laughs> like that That's is cool. sick. That's sick. Um, yeah, that was, I was a little old for Disney Channel when that when that show was on. Yeah, so yeah, I, I can I only just imagine. know them as like. I know the name. I've never heard an actual song. I just like know the name of like, oh, this uh, is like one of those yeah. like Disney Channel bands. Bands. Do your kids watch like is do your kids watch Disney currently? No, we don't we don't have cable. They just watch Oh, that's Netflix. right. You don't have cable. Netflix. Uh Peacock actually low key has a lot of good kid stuff on it. Um Peacock's also got a lot of good rom coms, by the way. If you're looking also, for like also- it's also got WWE Network now to revert back to wrestling, so that's cool. You know, you know what we we've taken a lot of dumps on Peacock, so is everyone else. But like Peacock's not awful. Good. Peacock's good. not terrible. I think it's pretty cheap too. Especially they're actually some of the Premier League matches that are on NBC Sports Network. They're actually dual casting them on Peacock. Not all of them, right? But some right, of them right. now too. So there's actually more to watch on Peacock now, which is which is cool from a soccer standpoint. But 
anyways, speaking of soccer, let's move on to what's happening in the pros locally. Um, I didn't realize this till I actually put the notes together. Ford Madison and Minnesota United are playing at the exact same time on Saturday. Both kick off at 9 p.m. Uh, Mingo's at FC Tucson. Um, that'll be on ESPN+. Plus. And then uh, Minnesota United at Colorado looking to bounce back from their 0-3 start. Actually, only, only six teams in MLS history have bounced back from an 0-3 start to make the playoffs. And two of them were last year when they had that weird COVID playoff structure where there were like two extra teams in each conference. So legitimately, only four teams have ever come back from an 0-3 start to make the playoffs. So that's on Bally Sports North and CW Twin Cities. But you know what, Ethan? Don't count out the loons. Don't count, don't count out the loons. Um, there's a shirt. And if you want that on a shirt, you can find it. Um, yeah, on the 10K store. And you got a podcast about both of those games. I do. I'm going to... I haven't Actually, decided if I'm going to do like the dual screen, like March Madness setup where I'm watching yeah. both or just wait and watch the Ford Madison match on Sunday. We'll see. That's true. You have to do, you have to do the one live on post loons. Yeah. You have so, to do. so as much as I love the Mingos, I definitely, if I have to prioritize one, it's going to be Minnesota United because of the immediate, uh, you know, nature of the live stream, but we'll that, see. What that's I'll, how live streams work. Um, that'll, that'll be more like a uh, game time decision. But anyways, yeah, speaking of post loons, presented by our friends at Night Street Soccer and Coffee, um, that'll be up on the 10K Twitter and YouTube right after the match. It's going to be a late one. Uh, it's going to be late because the game starts at 9. So we're going to be going up probably like 11. Uh, we'll try to make it quick. Uh, hopefully, like maybe just like a 30-minute post loons, talking about a nice Minnesota United victory. Um, and then uh, then we all go to bed. Happy. That's the plan. That's the plan because just don't count out those loons, man. Don't count them out. Don't count them out. Are you uh, are you reading a nice review this week, Ethan? Or are we gonna are we gonna cut that? Uh, yeah. Okay, let's do let's it. Do... we don't really Pause. have any other segments that we've done this week. Why can I not find what What's the website called? Um, what's the, what's and... what do you mean? What's the website? What which like website? where do I where do I find these reviews? Ten thousand pitches on Google and the Apple and the Apple Podcast link should show up. Ah, there we are. All right, now time for Ethan to read us a nice review. We haven't done this in a few weeks, so we're bringing it back. Um, and, uh, you know, thank you so much to those of us who have left some nice reviews and have allowed Ethan the opportunity to read one. So Ethan, go right ahead. Okay. I'm fitting it to my screen. All right, here we go. Cue the music. The subject reads best Minnesota soccer podcast. Ooh. 10 K has proven my favorite podcast talking about Minnesotan soccer and should be listened to by any fan of the game in this state. My favorite aspect is that it does not just focus on one aspect or team, but instead covers every angle. All right. Thank you, DJ. There we thank go. You for, also, thank you, Ethan, for ASMRing that that review right there. Appreciate yep. it. Y- yep. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you, DJ. And once again, guys, if you want to be featured on nice reviews here on 10,000 Pitches, uh, a lot of stars, a little bit of words, but thank That's you again, right. DJ. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you to Rob Chapel Again, Talking Flock debuts on Monday afternoon, uh, so check that out. And then uh, also thank you to Aaron Olson from Minneapolis City for joining the show. Thank you, Ethan, for being my guest host as always. And thank you, listeners. We appreciate you. Wouldn't be here without you. We'll catch you next week on 10K. Yep, thank you, everyone. Make sure to head over, check out the store. Thanks for having me back on. Thanks for listening. Have a good week, everybody. Bye.